This is Small Biz Florida, the podcast designed and produced specifically for Florida small business owners and entrepreneurs. Small Biz Florida, talk that works for Florida. This podcast is supported by the Florida SBDC Network, providing the tools, strategies, and expertise to help Florida's business community thrive. Visit the Florida SBDC online at www.floridasbdc.org or contact your local office and get started on your path to success today. This is Small Biz Florida, the podcast and broadcast. It's all things business across the state of Florida and the Treasure Coast. I am Tom Kindred, your host for Small Biz Florida. And uh, as those who tune in and listen to us on a regular uh, basis, our show is all about business, talking about what is happening across the Treasure Coast uh, with all sectors, uh, manufacturing, construction, uh, agriculture. So uh, we're here to talk business and we uh, have got some uh, great guests with us tonight to talk about a very uh, important sector uh, of business, uh, one that um, affects many, many homes um, uh, with uh, those, especially with aging parents. Um, And again, Florida uh, certainly uh, has its share of those um, individuals who have moved to the state to retire and are are looking um, uh, to enjoy all that Florida has to offer and looking for those opportunities uh, to, to live in a place that they feel safe and secure. Uh, we are here tonight and today to talk about uh, the Florida assisted living uh, segment of the market. And we've got um, got some good folks to have this discussion uh, about this space. Uh, we've got uh, Mrs. Miriam uh, Farguson, uh, who is uh, an ALF consultant, assisted living facility consultant. She's also a board member of the Florida Assisted Living Association. Uh, Miriam, welcome to Small Biz Florida. Thank you, Tom. We've got uh, Mr. Bob Anthes, uh, who also serves as a uh, board member for uh, FALA. And we have uh, with us uh, Roshini uh, Lakram, who is the chairperson uh, for the Florida uh, Assisted Living Association. So Bob and uh, Roshini, uh, welcome to Small Biz Florida. Thanks, Tom. Good to be Thank here. Thank uh, So again, uh, you know, gosh, we haven't ever had this conversation on Small Biz Florida and uh, probably should have had a discussion on ALFs uh, many years ago because this is a big, big part of uh, providing uh, living facilities uh, for those that are a part of our aging population. But let's start as we always sort of do before we get into the conversation. Uh, Miriam, Bob, and uh, Roshini, just um, a uh, quick background uh, on yourselves and kind of your pathway uh, to your involvement and leadership roles with FALA. So basically, I I operate two small bed assistive facilities, a 10 and a 9 bed facility, as well as I am also the Treasure Coast Chair for Florida Association for Assisted Living Facilities in the Treasure Coast area, and I kind of advocate for the ALF in this area, and that's basically my role. Nice. Miriam? I am a ALF consultant. I work with assisted living facilities in the Treasure Coast area. Um, I try to work with assisted living facilities to deal with the regulations that ACA has for assisted living facilities. I help assisted living facilities through um, from beginning to end. 
but I am involved also with FALA, which is Florida Assisted Living Association. And we help, as Washini said, to advocate for assisted living facilities in um, the Treasure Coast area. All right, Bob, same, same question. Yeah, I'm with, um, I started a, a business 14 years ago, Expense Reduction Advisors. We audit uh, utility bills uh, in the senior living space. So we're helping uh, owners of all sizes of ALFs uh, lower their utility costs, meaning electricity, natural gas, propane, water, and sewer. I'm also a board member for the St. Lucie chapter of FALA in charge of membership. Nice, okay. Um, so, uh, Roshini, let's um, start with you. Just kind of give us the the broad definition of assisted living facility, and and really, what is the the, the primary purpose and mission of these facilities? Our mission is basically to have the elderly and our most vulnerable adults. Sometimes it's mental health or different classes of people you know, to live out their lives with uh, dignity in a home-like environment and to assist them with whatever they need to be able to do that, to live out in the community and to have, you know, the life that we all would love to have in the our end of days or the days when we need someone to help us with our care. Okay, nice. And give, give us a sense of how big is this industry um, in terms of size? It's pretty and, and huge. It's pretty huge. I know in, in, in Florida, the state of Florida, approximately, we have 1,800 small assisted um, facilities, which is considered 17 beds and under, are considered smaller ALS. Um, but it's, it's, it's a big industry. Yep. Miriam, kind of kind of as a consultant in this uh, space, kind of give us your, your take on, on the size of, of this industry and, and its impact on the economy. And I think that's what the issue is. I don't think um, people realize the impact that small businesses have on the economy because when you look at um, ALFs and you're thinking uh, ALF in a house, you're thinking it's a home, it's a house, and it's not governed by state rules and it has nothing to do with the economy. But a small ALF hires two or three persons the and that's the minimum so the 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 money is flowing but you're not seeing that because they're in residential areas most of these small ALFs are in residential areas and people are thinking they're not important but they it brings employment to the industry to the economy it takes care of um, the elderly. And as you know, Florida is known for its senior citizens. And people don't realize that we focus so much on the large ALFs that the smaller ALFs that are owned by minorities are left to go under the radar and to fend for themselves. And this is where FALA comes in because FALA gets to advocate for assisted living facilities, large and small. So that's what we, that's some of the issues that we're dealing with. We are not being um, we're not respected as an assist, uh, as a part of the business community. All right, uh, Bob. Kind of your take on this. I mean, you're you're out there working um, with these ALFs in, in in a in a true business sense, trying to uh, look at their expenses and op operating uh, expenses. What what's your take on uh, the size and the impact of of ALFs on the on the economy? 
until I, um, I joined FALA, which was four years ago, I had been dealing exclusively with the larger ALFs, like, uh, you know, 75, 100 beds and up. And joining FALA really opened up my eyes to this whole sec segment of the industry, as, as Miriam said, that, that is really almost forgotten. Um, having worked in the industry for 14 years, um, you know, seeing, okay, there's not just these larger ALFs, there's a lot of these smaller ones out there. And what I see is a lot of the folks that can't afford to be in these larger facilities, they go to the smaller facilities. So there's a huge need that these smaller facilities are providing for the public out there. Right. I think, you know, just, you know, my my thought is that, you know, uh, an assisted living facility is not something any of us think about, I think, to to uh, uh, maybe Miriam's point until we need one, you know, and then right. when when we have a parent, uh, a grandparent uh, who needs to, to needs the, the use of a of an ALF. That's when we start to think about it and really understand uh, the value of a facility like this. Is that a fair statement? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess uh, kind of understanding that this really is kind of one of those, um, uh, you know, the the iceberg uh, kind of philosophy where there's uh, it's bigger than we think it is, uh, bigger than what we see on the surface. Uh, I guess. Uh, Roshini, just uh, kind of explain to us what, where are we uh, in in terms of uh, regulations and uh, growth of this of this uh, ALF uh, segment? Are, are are we seeing more and more facilities growing? Are is the is the state open? Is is are they welcoming uh, more facilities? Where are we in terms of the growth of of ALFs? Um, well, as far as regulations go, we are governed under the same regulations as a bigger ALF. We have to do all the same things. We have to put in sprinklers, alarm systems. We have to be inspected by the health department, by ACA, which is the state govern, um, government for ALFs, and all the same rules and regs, all the same training. Um, everything is about the same. As far as them opening, there is no cap on them right now. Um, you know, as we know, the baby boomers are coming. I think it's much needed. You know, the older population is growing and not to mention there's other people like mental health or the disabled and, you know, um, just, you know, other different categories of people that need this type of help. So, um, you know, there's right now they're opening, um, but as many that are opening, there's many as that are closing because of all the new mandates and rules and regs and people are not able to survive um, on the income. And unfortunately, a lot of them are closing, especially recently with the new mandates that were put into place. Well, let, let's let's talk about that for a minute, too. Let's uh, let me understand the business model uh, of an ALF. Who is this? Are these mainly private pay or or is it a reimbursement from Medicaid, Medicare? What is the business model for a, a small ALF? How do they generate the revenue to pay the bills? So basically the revenue is by choice. It could be private or it could be Medicaid. Um, really it's unrealistic to say that someone can have all private pay um, and survive because you gotta remember 
if you're not at full census, then you still have to pay your bills. Um, everybody runs their business in their own way. I've always started out um, with Medicaid patients. So I'm basically, um, I take mostly uh, Medicaid patients. Um, and that's not only because of um, my motto, but it's also because of my position. And I tend to have difficulty finding a home for these people because the, the reimbursement is so low that people can't really afford it. Um, to take all Medicaid patients. It's very it's, it's very difficult with the overhead that we're getting and with all the inflation and things like that. So it's a matter of choice, and I guess a matter of what, that whatever comes your way as, as, as opposed to whether you're taking private paid or Medicaid, but you are able to take either or. So what? who, who sets uh, the guidelines for the reimbursements for an ALF? So the reimbursements is um, basically the state gives um, what we call a managed care plan the funds, and then the managed care plan, I guess, at that point budgets out how much they reimburse the ALF. But the state gives the the budget itself that is given to the managed care plans, which is like Sunshine, Sunshine, Florida Community Care, Humana, Simply, those kind of plans, and then they choose the budget out how much they're going to give the assisted living facilities. Per resident, it's a flat rate. And you, and you, you indicated that things have recently changed. There was an update to to the repayment um, procedures and and uh, amounts. Well, yes. So recently, um, there was a mandate where the ALFs were given the choice to either give up their Medicaid number or to sign an agreement saying that we would increase um, our wages for our staff, and um, even though the increase is um, not due until, I guess, four years from now, we would have to pay it now. However, the state would reimburse us, um, will compensate us enough funds to offset that cost. However, um, we did not know what that amount was going to be. We were told we had to sign it by a certain date, and um, up until recently, we didn't even know what that amount was going to be. Um, and unfortunately, the, the amount that we got was nowhere near what we expected to be able to offset that cost. Now, you know, keep in mind, our staff is more than um, deserving of this amount, but we have to afford it. And the bottom line is we have to also give quality care to our residents. We have to make sure their needs are met and not by cutting any kind of cost. We need to make sure they have great quality of life. They're able to have the things they need to live on. And we also need to be able to pay our staff. Um, now, with this mandate, um, being that some of our facilities are six, nine, ten beds and not always a full census, this has definitely put a strain on them financially because the amount that was given is nowhere near what we would need to offset that cost. Uh, Long-term uh, effects on the ACLF industry, you think? Definitely. Um, a lot of them have closed. Uh, I think Marianne can, I'm not Marianne, I'm sorry, Miriam can contribute to that. But uh, uh, a lot of them have closed. A lot of them came to me about it. They were very upset. I mean, this has brought out a lot of emotions, prayers, crying. And, and, and you know, a lot of people think that these businesses make a lot of money. And it really doesn't make as much as people think after the overhead. But my opinion is I wish it did make a lot of money because for someone that is trying to make money and it's not about their heart. We work 24 seven, even if we have staff, we have to be on call 24 seven um, to take care of these guys, to make sure they're well taken care of. It takes a lot of micromanaging. 
It takes a lot of um, personal involvement, you know, um, and it takes a special kind of person to have a small assisted living. Um, but, you know, it, it's just been very difficult, especially with COVID and the cost that came out of our pockets with that. And then rolling into this now, it's just, it's been very difficult. Uh, Miriam, kind of speak to that. Where, uh, with the new mandates in place, the, the repayment schedules, um, the reimbursement schedules, um, what are you hearing uh, from your clients? Um, I, before I even answer that question, I just want to give you an overview. We're talking about, when we talk about small ALS, and as Rashini said, six beds. We even have um, all the way down to four beds. So four, five, six beds in a residential area and up to 10 and as um, even 16. And you're talking about small businesses getting clients 2,500 a month from each person, 3,000 if you can get it, 3,500 um, if you can get that. But the majority of uh, the small businesses deal with clients who have, as Rashini has said, not been able to have the money to, so we, they come to these small ALFs and we have, let's say for, it's average 2,500 per month. And you have three clients that you have because not everyone is running at a full capacity. Um, so you have three clients and you have open beds and you have to provide 24 hour service. You have to provide food. You have to ensure that they um, are able to ambulate. You take care of them, of their welfare. So 2,500 per month, food cost has gone up. All the cost in ALFs in business has gone up. So we're looking at an industry that's already pushed to the max to take care yeah. of um, this senior community and to give them your best care. Yet you still have to manage your finances and it's pushed to the max. And here comes a mandate from the governor saying that all ALF workers, 1099 and employees um, who deal with direct care must be paid $15 an hour starting October 1st. We've given um, money to the managed care companies to filter down to the ALF. ACA started the mandate October 1st. The money did not come in on October 1st. So what we're seeing is that people have to go into their own pockets to pay um, to pay staff $15 an hour. Now, please, we all know that the mandate for the salary range to go up in Florida starts in 2024, I believe, or 2026, sorry. So here we are having to do many years ahead to do $15 an hour. We don't have the resources, was not filtered down to us. And when it did come, it was an additional, on top of what we're getting, an additional 75 or $100. It, it doesn't add up. So now you find people are leaving, um, selling their business because they are not able to financially take care of the residents. And remember, we are mandated. It's not something that we can decide to do or not do. This is something we were told we have to do. And we have a certain amount of time to do it. When the mandate came out, I think it was in September, and we have to be start doing it in October. That is unrealistic to think that small businesses are able to 
adhere to those rules and still be able to make money. So yes, people are leaving the industry. Robert, thoughts on uh, on the new mandates? No, I, I concur with everything that uh, Ruchini and Miriam had said. Yeah, it's, you know, um, these smaller ALFs are filling a huge need um, that I think people don't realize. Um, and these mandates are, 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 the, are making those businesses close. And it's just getting worse if something isn't done. These people aren't going to have anywhere else to go. Uh, and I, guess and I just want to add in, um, I just want to add in with that, you know, we're focusing on, um, you know, what, what we get, but just keep in mind, in my personal experience, you know, we rarely have family involvement. Um, a lot of us have to come out of our pockets to pay for things that are not in the contract. And when that's when I goes back to saying it takes a special kind of person to run a business like this, because if you're really all about business, it is what it is. But we are the type of people that if somebody needs clothes or shoes and the family's not around to provide that, we're not saying, oh, well, that's not in my contract. We provide those things to these people. And in my well, over 15 years of experience, many people have family members that come around once in a while or don't even come around at all. And even if they do come around, they don't support them financially. We do have some family um, wonderful family members that are very grateful for what we do, and I'm thankful for that. Um, but you know, we're always painted out like as the bad guys. Oh, we did this, we did that. No, we are. We're doing the best we can. Um, you know, we we are taking care of the, the the most vulnerable adults, and we're we're doing this sometimes on our own. You know, with very um, little income. So you know, I think that every you know we always see one side of things. There's always two sides to a story. And I, I know for a fact that I take care of my guys like they're my own, like they're my family. And I make sure they have everything they need, whether we get the income or not. But not everybody's able to do that all the time, especially now with um, the inflation and the food and the insurances and the liability with all these um, frivolous lawsuits. We have these people that say, oh, you know, the ALF is bad. Someone slipped and fall, fell. Yeah, where were you all the time? You don't see these people until, until something happens, and then all of a sudden they remember they had a mom or a brother or a dad, you know, when we're doing this all on our own all this time. You know, there's two sides to start. ALFs are, um, we provide great care. Whether we have the money or not, we make sure these people are well taken care of. And then it's coming to the point that if we feel that we can't, we're forced to close our doors, which is now uh, an injustice to the vulnerable adults because now they don't, they're running out of choices. They're, they're forced to now go to these bigger ALFs, um, which is, you know, good as well. But some people prefer a home-like environment. It's, it's, you know, they should be, they should have that choice. Well, and, and again, I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. The, the work that you and, and a, ALF owners do is, uh, is incredible work, uh, tough work. Um, I, I have, uh, two aging parents and, and, uh, you know, my responsibilities as a, as a son, uh, it's, it's amazing, uh, what comes up in, in caring for those that are, that are aging. So I, I do, I do thank you and, and can appreciate all that you do. Um, how does one, uh, get involved? How does one learn more about this, uh, space and, uh, have it does uh does your local chapter follow have a uh, website uh, how do they contact you the the easiest way would be to go to the uh the corporate follow website which is fala.org um 
From there, you uh, see a calendar of events. There's uh, several chapters throughout the state. And uh, we could also be reached uh, via email, I believe, from that site. And and do you Bob offer... is also our membership. Bob is, I'm sorry, Bob, just chiming in here. Bob is also our membership chair. And um, Bob, maybe you can give your information if every, anybody wants to learn more about what we do. Maybe they can um, be able to reach out to you as well. Yeah, if, uh, I, I'm, I'm open to phone calls. If anybody wants to reach out uh, via phone, uh, Tom, I could give my number if that's allowed yeah, on here. Absolutely, sure. Okay, best way to reach me is going to be 561-779-3177. And, and I guess uh, I question, if someone's looking for uh, an ALF um, uh, possible location for parents or, or relatives, do you offer some sort of a clearinghouse of, of uh, members that have uh, beds available? There's many ways of doing that. Um, Miriam could probably elaborate on that. Um, as far as Treasure Coast, we do, um, I, people reach out to me and we go above and beyond. There's some people that don't even have the benefits that are able to do that. And free of cost, we lead them the way, we help them with those things as a fellow um, chapter. We're able to, you know, be able to reach out to them and return, uh, lead them in the right direction. Maybe it's a consultant, maybe it's a way to get the insurance, uh, maybe it's on elder care. We do that for our, our section, but there are different um, forums. Um, I believe the state has a forum where you can look up the ALFs and also um, different companies that have has that um, service. Okay, all right, nice. Um, well, this has, uh, again, been an interesting and informative conversation. I uh, you know, we hear the term ALF all the time, especially in, in our in our state and in our region because of the aging uh, elderly population. Uh, but it's nice to kind of understand how all this works. There are different levels of ALFs. There's the big kind of the bigger um, bed facilities, maybe some corporate uh, players in that space. But a lot of your members are small uh, owners and operators of small bed uh, facilities and, and I like the way you put it uh, Rashini just uh, it, it's a family it's a it's a family and home home like environment so again I, I thank all of you for the work you're doing uh, to care for our parents and our grandparents uh, we appreciate your your efforts your expertise and and your dedication to to our elderly uh, population thank you Tom thank you thank John you for having us. thank you Tom absolutely uh, so, uh, again, one more time, just give us that, uh, the website for FALA, it, it, uh, uh, Robert. F-A-L-A dot O-R-G. All right. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Miriam, Bob, and Roshini, uh, all uh, members of uh, the local chapter, co uh, Treasure Coast chapter of FALA, the uh, Florida Assisted Living Association. Thank you for your work. And uh, with that, uh, we will be back with more Small Biz Florida. Stay tuned. This has been Small Biz Florida, created and produced by the Florida Small Business Development Center at Indian River State College. Your host for Small Biz Florida is Tom Kindred. Partners for Small Biz Florida include WPSL and WSTU and Indian River State College named the 2019 winner of the Aspen Prize for Community College Excellence.